Turn in your Bibles to the book of Acts, chapter 18. We're going to continue and pick up with our series in the book of Acts. As you know, we've been studying the start of the church, and we've been going through this series of Paul. Can anybody tell me on this side another name for Paul? Who, who said that? says Saul. That is correct. And can you tell me another name for Saul? I'm on this side. <laughs> okay. Can you tell me on this side a name for another name for Simon? Can you tell me another name for Peter? Cephas. Can you tell me a, a metaphor for Peter? Oh, you're too good. Can you tell me a metaphor for Peter? He said rock. God said, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church upon truth. When the Lord was talking to him. When we think about God's word, can someone tell me what Psalm 119.11 says? Thy, thy word, what? Have I hid in my heart? Why? That I might not sin against you. Rondell, you're in the wrong place, but that's okay. I was looking, where's Rondell? Where's Rondell? He's in the wrong place. He's in the back. You're backsliding. <laughs> I'm going to forgive you today, but you can stay back there. That's all right. How y'all doing back there? Good to see you. Rondell, I'm looking, where's Rondell? Where's Rondell? He's back there. <laughs> Thy word have I hidden in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Next week, we're going to be doing the memorization verse, and it was a good suggestion that was brought up by Sister Michelle and Tamika. We're going to, every week, we're going to remind you what the scripture is for the memorization, and we're going to put it upon the board. Every week. Malachi 3, 11, 3, 10, and 11. The 3, 11 is for next week. We're going to go back to the second Sunday, but every week we're going to help you. And the men, bless their hearts, they're going to start doing it together. All right. I want you to stand today for the reading of the Word of God. Lord, bless your Word. Bless the hearers today. Pray that you will give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. We give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Acts chapter 18, verses 1 through 17. Please stand as I read. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. Corinth. There he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker, as they were, he stayed and worked with them. Every Sabbath he reasoned in the synagogue trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching, testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Christ. But when the Jews opposed Paul and became abusive, he shook out his clothes in protest and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I am clear of my responsibility. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. Then Paul left the synagogue and went next door to the house of Titus, or Titus for some, Justice, a worshiper of God. Crispus, the synagogue ruler, 
and his entire household believed in the Lord, and many of the Corinthians who heard him believed and were baptized. One night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one is going to attack and harm you, because I have many people in this city. So Paul stayed for a year and a half teaching the word of God. While Gallio was proconsul of Acacia, the Jews made a united attack on Paul and brought him into court. This man they charged is persuading the people to worship God in ways contrary to the law. Just as Paul was about to speak, Gallio said to the Jews, If you Jews were making a complaint about some misdemeanor or serious crime, it would be reasonable for me to listen to you. But since it involves questions about words and names in your own law, settle the matter yourselves. I will not be a judge of such things. So he had them ejected from the court. Then they all turned on Sosthenes, the synagogue ruler, and beat him in front of the court. But Gallio showed no concern whatever. I want you to repeat the title of my message with me, say, unwilling to stop, listen carefully, unwilling to stop ministry because of opposition. You may be seated. Unwilling to stop ministry because of opposition. God has never been left without a witness to his word. Never. God has never been left without a witness to his word throughout history. He has always persevered or preserved someone to carry forth the word of God. It is always a dangerous thing when a people reject God's word for the indulgence and continuance of sin. In Acts 18, which continues Paul's second missionary journey, we see that Paul comes to Corinth for the first time. After leaving Athens, And being grieved with all the idols that lined the city streets and the city itself, Paul travels about 40 miles to the city of Corinth. Now get this, I've been giving you the distance as Paul has been making his journeys. 40 miles he travels to Corinth. Here we find that there was also a hotbed of sin. Corinth had been completely destroyed about 100 years before. According to Dr. R.C. Sproul, Sproul, Corinth was the capital of Acacia and a very important commercial city. So Paul leaves one sin-filled place and goes to another, Corinth. Corinth was filled with sin. Isn't it interesting that when you look at Paul's ministry, wherever Paul went, his, his M.O., was to go to the temple. This is about the seventh time, if I'm correct, where it says that Paul goes to the synagogue. Wherever Paul went, he never left that place the same. Get this. Wherever Paul went, that place was never the same. Whenever God's people show up on the scene, it should always leave that place in a better condition just because God's people were there. You should never have people saying, 
those people were here and like, man, it is in a completely worse condition. It should never be that way when a Christian shows up on the scene. It should, I don't care how upset people may get, it should always be a better place when you leave. Just because of your presence and because of who you represent. Don't worry about if people respond or not. That's not your concern. God takes care of that. Wherever Paul went, it was always left in a better place, even though he was often beat up, thrown in prison, and stoned. I can't tell you if people start throwing rocks at me that I'm not going to pick up one and throw it back. I can't tell you that I'm not going to do it. I can't tell you that. Somebody coming at me with a stick, I'm going to try to find one too. That's just me, y'all. So don't be throwing sticks and stones at me. I might throw them back. <laughs> I know some of y'all. Y'all be throwing sticks and stones and be saying, sticks and stones may break my bone. Yeah, okay. But words never. Yes, they do. Words start fights. Y'all know that, right? Point number one, this is called the partnership in ministry, the partnership in ministry. When we look at Acts chapter 18, 1 through 3, we come, uh, we come across two people by the name of Aquila and Priscilla. They were natives of Pontus. Where do we first kind of see that name Pontus? We see it at the time when the Holy Spirit came in the book of Acts in the, first, uh, in the second chapter, that when the people came together, they heard the people speaking the word of God in their own languages, and some of them were from the place of Pontus. It was a place in Asia Minor. And, and this is where Aquila and Priscilla, natives of Pontus, part of the Roman Empire at this time. Now get this. They were expelled from Rome by Emperor Claudius. Why did Claudius expel them? Now, when you read this, it does not say why they were expelled. It just says that they were expelled. Well, according to some of the history, it is believed that all of the Jews in Italy, all of the Jews in Rome were made to leave. Why? Because of Christos, the Greek, Christos, Christ. Christ was being preached in Rome, and Claudius the emperor kicked all of the Christians out. Imagine that. They were forced to leave because of Christ. Do you not know the same thing is happening right now in the land? Convert to Islam or die. Convert, deny Jesus Christ or die. What a sad day when lives would be killed because someone would say, I believe and worship the king of glory. My goodness. What kind of God do you serve that your God can't take care of himself? Now, there was a time in the Old Testament, I don't have time to go through all this, where the Lord had said there was war and he called for his people to kill those going into that, when they were going into the land. Why? Because they were their enemies and they were going to kill them. There was a time of war. It was God's judgment. Don't you know that God, being a holy God, is a God of judgment? And with judgment comes punishment. God's people were executing 
their his judgment upon the people because of unrighteousness and because of sin. Aquila and Priscilla are forced to leave and they come to the place of Corinth. And this is where Paul meets them. Now, why did Paul leave? Paul was in Athens evidently just a few weeks. But we see here something interesting. We see a what I'm calling a partnering in ministry. How important is partnering in ministry? We don't know just what role Aquila and Priscilla played in the proclamation of the gospel in Rome, but they came under the same indictment that they had to leave. But clearly they were Christians, because if they weren't Christians, we more than likely would have heard that they came to the Lord under Paul's ministry in Corinth. But when they came, they were already believers, and they were tent makers. And so Paul goes to see them, and they invite Paul to stay with them, or he stays with them. Now, what was their occupation? They were tent makers. It is interesting to note that every Jewish boy growing up was taught a trade in order to make a living. Before Paul went to Gamaliel to get his spiritual education, his father taught him a trade. Paul learned tent making. It would come in very handy as he would go from place to place because he could break down and build tents. It was very, it was a lucrative business back in the day because the soldiers needed it. Foreigners coming into the, into to the cities would need it. And it would be something that would be very handy as he went from place to place. And because Paul didn't want to be a burden upon the church where he would go, he would often take care of his own needs. That says something here that I really, really oftentimes stress. Work is a good thing. And yet God says that the pastor, the leaders, should be, should be taken care of by the body. Don't muzzle the ox while it is treading out the grain. It is important. They were a blessing to the church. And when there was opportunity to share the gospel to help the church grow, Aquila and Priscilla, they helped to do that. Isn't it interesting how partnerships work? That when you come together and you begin to minister together, that it becomes that more, that much more effective. We come, again, we come across Aquila and Priscilla later in the book of Romans, Corinthians, and in Timothy. They are commended, and they even had a church that met in their home. And you look at this. This was a couple. You hear no bad things about them, and you hear that they were a support to Paul. The partnering of this ministry, them coming together, not only did it benefit them, but they also ministered to Paul. Paul needed to be ministered as well, too, at times, out on the journey. Sometimes people think that the minister is way up there and does not need anybody to ever minister to them. That's false. 
they need to be ministered to as well. And Paul needed to be ministered to. And they, they, this couple, it was a blessing and it refreshed his spirit. And you can imagine as they are working on the tent and working to make a living, Paul did it primarily in order to promote the gospel. Paul was promoting the gospel, so he worked to help promote the word of God. And so we find that this couple are working with him. Someone find for me 1 Timothy 5, 17 and 18. Another person finds 1 Corinthians 9, 9. 1 Timothy 5, 17 and 18. And 1 Corinthians 9, 9. Someone please find that for me. 1 Corinthians 9, 9. One of the most difficult things when, when ministering is to not fleece the flock. One of the things that was happening during the time when Paul was preaching is that they had false preachers and false prophets that would come to town and take advantage of the people. Now, it's good to give. I'm not saying that. But they came in for the very purpose of extorting and for the purpose of stealing. And so when Paul would go into these different areas, some of the people were very, we- they were very weary of evangelists coming to town because they knew what had happened before. Town, Paul would often not even depend upon them to support his needs. That's why he would work and do his tent making. He would rely on the church in Macedonia where he had a relationship with, and they oftentimes supplied his need. In fact, when Timothy and, and Silas came to him, they brought a gift so that when they came, he was able to devote himself entirely at that time to the ministry of preaching and teaching the word. And so Paul was aware of the situation and took great pains to make sure that the word of God was not tainted. Not that it was wrong for him to accept, but so that the people first would be able to hear the word of God. Paul was a pastor to pastors. Paul was a pastor to the church. When you look at his partnering with Timothy and, and, and Silas and, and with Aquila and Priscilla, when you look at how they came together, Paul's primary focus was so that people would hear what the Word of God said. It is only the Word of God that will bring lasting change to your life. I don't care how long you go to school. I don't care what they teach. And it's important to get that that learning. But it should never preempt, never preempt your primary devotion and service to God. I'm talking from experience. There has to be such a dedication to the Word of God and to serving God that everything else comes behind. And what the Lord says that if you seek me first, the other things that you are seeking after, I will just add to you. I will make that a part. When God says, I will give you the desires of your heart, it is because that we place God in his rightful place. Paul never had a, he didn't have a problem with that. He learned that. He learned the importance. He learned what it meant 
to have plenty and how to do well. He learned what it meant when he was broke and had nothing and was cold and hungry. How to still serve God. Because he had learned in whatever state and condition he was that he could be content with that. So Aquila and Priscilla being expelled from Rome were partnering with Paul to proclaim the word of God and to help him in his ministry and he helping them and and they're supplying the need and they're taking care of what needs to be taken care of. Point number two. The Sabbath experience for Paul once again and the resulting decision. The Sabbath experience for Paul once again and the resulting decision. What do I mean by that? Whenever Paul went into the synagogue, he was always beat up or, or ridiculed and always ran into conflict every time he went to the synagogue. Get this. How many times would it take for you to be ridiculed before you would stop and say, I ain't going back? Every time I open my mouth to say something good, somebody tearing me down. I ain't going back. When you say that, how many of y'all have consulted God and said, Now, Lord, should I now quit? Or do I keep going? Why do I say that? Because the Lord told those in Antioch, I want you to set aside Paul and Barnabas for the work that I've called them to do. I've called them for a work. And Paul is going to have to suffer a lot of things. The Lord never told them to stop. No matter what the opposition was. One of the biggest problems the church has today, and I'm not speaking this church, all churches that honor God, is that when difficulties arise, they don't stop and say, Lord, what do you want me now to do? Continue on. Go this direction. What's your will? We base our decisions on our feeling. And we make decisions based on how we feel. Not consulting God. We ask God, Lord, I want to serve. What is my gift? But when the pressures of life comes and all the heartaches, we don't consult God. We make a decision based on how we feel. Now get this, get this. If our feelings determine what we're going to do, then you can never be in the will of God. If you live according to how you feel and act accordingly, you're not going to be in God's will. Because God's will is not easy all the time. But God's will is the best place where you can be because you have guaranteed success however God defines that for your life. The worst place to be is outside of God's will. Understand this. Understand this. It's important. If Paul had decided, I've been beat up once too many times, just one too many, I I quit. When Paul got stoned, the people gathered around him and they looked. He did. He ain't moving. Paul got up, brushed himself off. And limped back into the city. 
left the saint, went on to the next place, to the synagogue. Got to go preach the word of God. Don't know what's going to come. Man, that's dedication. That's dedication. Wherever Paul went, and he knew once again to the temple, but this time Paul does something a little different. This time, after they continue to refuse, he says, I am not coming back here. Somebody give me a coat. Give me, give me a little shirt or something. Give me something. Give me a little. Yeah, thank you. Paul took off his cloak, shook it out as a sign. I have done what I am supposed to do. I am shaking the judgment of God that you are rejected. I'm, sh- I'm shaking the word, all that I'm supposed to do. I'm shaking all of this out on you, and you now are under God's judgment. I'm going next door to the house of Titus, which is next to the thank you, which is next to the temple. I'm going to the Gentiles. Bye. It was a practice where God told his disciples, and even in the Old Testament, that if you are not accepted for the word that you bring, shake the dust from your sandals, shake the dust from your cloak, and go on because you have been released from what I told you to do. You have done what I told you to do. The judgment is now on the heads of those who won't listen. The Lord told Paul, you are going to be a missionary To the Gentiles. Yes, Yes, he continued to go to the Jewish nation. But God says your primary ministry is going to be to the Gentiles. You're going to win the Gentiles. And man, when they heard that, they were like, yay, hey. They were happy. House churches started because of persecution in the body, in the church, the synagogue. And it started also as a result of the word of God being rejected in the synagogue. There was house churches. Paul went next door to justice and met with those people there. So once again, Paul went to the synagogue and that same thing of experience happened, but this time he shook the dust out in front of them as a sign of judgment that I am now released. From my responsibility in this place, I'm going to go over here and do it here. Warning, listen carefully. Warning against rebellion. There's a warning that God gives against rebellion. It can only go so far and so long before God intervenes. Today I am convinced that there are some people who think that because God's judgment or judgment has not fallen or certain things have not happened, that it is an indication that things are going to continue as they are. That nothing is going to happen. You, they say, I haven't seen anything happen yet. I've been doing it this long, nothing's happened yet. But whenever judgment falls, it always, always causes you to be in a worse condition than you would have been in if you had changed before. 
When God sends grace, when God gives chances, it is a corrective measure. Think about this. When the children of Israel refused to turn from sin, and they refused to listen to God, and then the Lord says, I am sending you into exile, into exile, or I'm going to cause this to happen, or you're going to wander in this desert, or no, you're not going to go fight the enemy now. And they would say, okay, we're sorry, we're going to go. God says, no, too late. We're going anyway. They went without God in some cases and got themselves in trouble. But when judgment came, it then had to run its course. There are times when people think that, okay, Lord, I see the judgment. I'm now willing to listen. No, all those corrective years was the time that God was giving. But when judgment begins, it runs its course. Think about it. When judgment comes, it runs its course. When God gives time, it is time for us to make sure that we are doing the very thing that God says that we need to do. Paul was going constantly before the people, before the synagogue leaders, trying to get them to change. And finally he says, that's it. I'm going here. And so we see here that this rejection resulted in judgment. People that are on the outside of God's will have nothing to look forward to but his judgment if there's not a turning. Like I told you, when I was going around Marin City, I was going around Marin City as I normally do on the Sunday, and I was praying. And I told you, the Lord stopped me. The Holy Spirit spoke to me in my spirit and said, it's the word of God they need to hear. And it's almost like one of those voices where you go, hmm? you stop, like, you look around like, whoa. It was so clear. Oh, God, bring deliverance. Oh, it's going around. and It's the word of God they need to hear. And it made me change how I prayed when I go around Marin City. Sodom and Gomorrah. If ten righteous people can be found, God would have spared the city. Not only the city, but the surrounding plains as well. It was rebellion, sin, homosexuality that had engulfed the city. And I don't care how many people try to make homosexuality an alternative lifestyle. God says it's sin. I don't care if it's in your family, my family, whoever family, it's sin. Are we to love them? Yes. Don't treat people bad. But don't you call what God calls sin righteousness? It's sin. Paul was in the habit of offending people because he called sin, sin. Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed as a result of rejection of God's word. Corrective measures were sent. They said no. Let me quickly move on. What time is it? I don't want to, be, I don't want to keep past 2 o'clock. Ten till. I got a little time. Because the teacher got some green beans on the stove. I'm messing with you. Just hope you didn't turn them on. <laughs> Point three is God's reassurance. God's reassurance. I want to look, read verses 9 through 11 to you. One night, the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. For I am with you. 
And no one is going to attack you and harm you because I have many people in this city. So Paul stayed for a year and a half teaching them the word of God. Isn't it interesting that you never would have known that Paul was running scared? We think that Paul, which he was a great man of God, that what he did, there was no fear. Evidently, Paul had, was scared right now. And the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision, says, Paul, don't be afraid to speak. I've got many people here. You remember, Paul knew the crowd. Paul had become so aware of when a crowd was becoming hostile. He'd been beat up before. Been stoned, beat, thrown in prison. He said, oh, this crowd is getting kind of, they're getting kind of antsy. Yeah, I, 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 he said, I know what these looks mean. I'm about to get out of town. Paul was probably just about ready to get out of town. And the Lord says, Paul, don't be afraid to speak what you are speaking. Because I've got many people. Of all the places that Paul went and all the people that, that were attacking him, when God spoke to Paul, it comforted his soul. Us, we would have heard God and we would have said, what other confirmation are you going to give me, Lord? That ain't good enough. I need, I need something. I know what these people are like. Are they about to stone me? Give me another sign. God said, I'm going to be with you. I've got many people. Keep preaching. Nobody going to hurt you. Paul evidently was about to think, they're about to beat me up again. And with that, get this. Paul had already gone next door. No threat to them in the synagogue. And Satan will come again and still mess with you. Those there brought charges against, Paul, against him. To Gallio, the proconsul, the governor, that was appointed by the Roman Senate. They brought charges against Paul. <laughs> and when Paul was about to speak, Gallio spoke up and says, I don't want to hear it. Gallio was new in, in, in town. They thought, you know, like some, some new people meet, come, you know, new ruler. And people go, yeah, we better, get, we better get to see him before all these other people and give him our point of view first. That's what they were trying to do. And came and Gallio says, I don't want to hear these charges. If it was something that was of a crime, I'd hear you. But these are dealing with your laws and get out of here. Get out, get out my court, he said. Kick them out of the court. Amen. And evidently the person, Sosthenes, at that point, the one who must have been their spokesperson, they turned on him and beat him up. You, you didn't convict him. <laughs> Uppercut. <laughs> right in front of the governor. Because the governor said, I ain't got time for that. Do what you want to do. I'm out of here. And Paul stayed a year and a half in Corinth preaching and teaching the word of God, and nobody messed with him. Why? Because at that point, when Gallio said that, they thought, we can't just bring any kind of charge no more against Paul. We are in trouble. And he then had the protection of the government. Had Rome, as a Roman citizen, providing protection for Paul to do what he did best, preaching the word of God. 
He'll take what Satan means for evil and turn it against him and bless you as we're going on and be faithful to God and see what he'll do to you. Go on and be faithful to God in your giving and see if he won't touch your hand. Stand on your feet. Now let me just say this as we go before we leave. When we think about Paul's ministry, Aquila and Priscilla ministering with him as partners, Paul going into the synagogue and then going next door to be a minister to the Gentiles and the Lord reassuring Paul in point three that, Paul, I'm with you. I want to leave this point with you as we end today, and that is this. If God is for you, he's more than the world that's against you. You and the Lord, your majority. I don't care how many people come against you. If God has called you to a work, be faithful in that. If God has said, don't sin, I will bless you, don't sin. If God has said, live according to my standard, do it. But here's the, key, here's the thing to remember. It doesn't mean you won't have opposition, and it doesn't mean you won't have struggle. Our struggles at times means that we're in the will of God. It doesn't mean that we're always outside. Now, if you haven't struggled and outside the will of God, then that's a different thing. Get it right. Don't use your struggle to continue sin. Change. Today, Lord, we thank you for your goodness, and we pray that as we leave this place today, pray that you will protect us, keep us, guide us, strengthen us, and help us to hear the word of God. We pray that you will help us to make you our priority. First, you will help us to love you, to bless you, to glory in you, to give you the honor and the praise.